ready to rise above loud, angry headlines, longing for an alternative to the world's fighting and fear-mongering? Christianity Today magazine offers a trustworthy, faithful perspective on stories that matter to you, from the church next door to movements and ministries all around the world. Subscribe to CT for full access to in-depth reporting, insightful commentary, and redemptive storytelling, both online and in print. A subscription to CT also includes seasonal devotionals, special issues, and exclusive content. Visit orderct.com today or click the link in the show notes to get started and join a growing community of thoughtful evangelical Christians who value different news that makes a difference. That's orderct.com to subscribe today. This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. Russell Moore, and you're listening to The Russell Moore Show from Christianity Today. Every week, we get together here for questions and conversations from a Christian perspective, and this is one of those weeks where we turn to your questions. And before we get to the questions, let me just say uh, to our listeners, if there's something that you're wondering about, uh, maybe it doesn't have to be a big existential crisis, although it can be, uh, but it might just be something that you've come across in the Bible and you think, I don't know how to understand that, or maybe it's a relationship situation where you're thinking, I'm trying to figure out how to how to navigate this, or a workplace sort of ethical uh, matter, any of those things, send it to questions at russellmore.com and we'll do our best to answer them. And I'm joined as always uh, by our producer, Ashley Hales. Ashley, how are you? I'm doing great. It's fun to be here. We have lots of questions about relationships, it seems like. That seems Uh, to be mm -hmm. some of the theme, family life, and what does that look like? Um, One woman writes in asking a question kind of on behalf of her daughter. Her daughter is dating a young man, and he's kind of feeling this, this beginning call to be a pastor. And this mother of the woman, the young woman, says she's unsure, as she assumes other young people are, as to whether they're compatible for life. And she says that your dad's warning to you about people hurting others in ministry has often come to her mind. So she's wondering if you, if your wife, if you could recommend any resources to help her know about what she might be signing up for if they choose to marry one day. Well, I think a couple things. I mean, the the first thing is, yes, my dad told me when I went to him and I was a nervous wreck. It was really difficult. And I, Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of like other people I know who have to go to their dad and say, I've been arrested or something right. like that for me to go and to say, I think God's calling me into ministry because mm. not because he was 
not because he was negative toward um, ministry or the church, but because he was a pastor's kid who grew up in a parsonage next door to a church. And he saw what had, Mm -hmm. um, what his dad uh, lived through in that context. And he just said, look, I'm not going to bring this up again. I'm not going to ever, if you decide that this is what God's called you to do, I'm going to support you completely and I'll never mention it again. And he never did. He was mm-hmm. he was always supportive uh, from that point on. And there were many times when he could have said, see, this is what I was talking about. Yeah. He never did yeah. any of that. Uh, so I think that I'm glad that he... I'm glad that he did that, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that it didn't scare me away from ministry. Yeah, yeah. So both of those things are true. Yeah. So I think for this mom, uh, saying uh, to her daughter, uh, "Be careful," is a good thing, but I think I think that that can only go to a certain point, right? Uh, and, and then step back. And in terms of in terms of resources, I. I think the best resources are not going to be uh, things to to read or to watch as much as it's going to be to talk to people who've been in that mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And so find some people uh, who are uh, ministry spouses in some way or the other and say, what has this experience uh, been like for you? And And then to step back and say, am I able to sign up for this and to mm-hmm. and to live with this. Having said that, what I would say is talk to more than one person and don't put yourself necessarily into the same category right. um, as 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 the church might expect of you uh, or even other people might expect of you. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of, I mean, I've, I've seen this happen a lot in sort of the world that I come out of, of uh, Southern evangelical uh, churches in which a lot of times the expectation is yeah. the pastor's wife is going to serve as, uh, is going to play the piano and is going to be in charge of the uh, the Women's Missionary Union and is going to do all of these specific things because that's what they have seen yeah. a uh, pastor's spouse doing. And a lot of times what it takes is to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fit into necessarily all of your expectations and stereotypes. I'm going to be me. And that often changes the expectations and yeah. stereotypes over time. Um, and so don't don't get don't get really boxed into to that. But I think it, it takes some it takes some knowledge of of what it's like and it it is ministry is it's hard to communicate how ministry is the most life-giving and uh thrilling in the right way sort of thing. And it is also absolutely horrific and and soul crushing. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing I would say is if your daughter uh, does decide to go in this uh, direction, if she marries uh, this man and that's what he's uh, called to, I, I would say from the very beginning, cultivate friendships with some people who are in the same situation Mm -hmm. that you can remain connected to for life. Because what happens in ministry is you get into, you get into a place where you say, 
okay, I can't talk to any of my people right. uh, in my church about this. I also can't sometimes in a lot of communities, they think I can't talk to the other ministers in the community or ministry spouses in the community because they're all quote unquote competitors, right. you know, even if you don't, even if you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't mm-hmm. think of them that way and they shouldn't think of me that way. It just, it, it often is the case. Mm-hmm. So find people that you can talk to and just call and and say, can you believe this is happening? I mean, sometimes right. it's yeah. not even to say, give me some advice. Yeah. It's just, I just need somebody that I could talk to yes. who to make me realize, okay, I'm not insane. Right. You really need that. Yes, yes. You can, the listener can go ahead and email me too. So I've been married to a pastor for close, well, we've been married for 20 years and he's pastored for most of those. And what you're saying rings exactly true. You know, having having people where you can let your hair down with, um, you know, I've often thought it's a grace and a burden, right? To be so tightly connected to the local church. So yeah. I think it's a particular call, but we yeah. never know what we're signing up for when we get married. <laughs> well, that's right. And that's, uh, I was having a conversation one time, a group of us um, were there and and one of the uh, one of the people there was in ministry and he said, you know, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to leave. And somebody had said, well, you know, just remember your calling, remember um, your ordination vows. And he said, yeah, but I mean, I was 19. Right. Uh, he said, I wouldn't trust a 19 year old to give me any directions in my life. So why do I trust my 19 year old self <laughs> to have set the whole trajectory of my life? And I understood that, but there's, um, there's a sense in which that's what all of us do. Right. We we make decisions that lead to the next decision, and yep, yeah. here we are. We, we, we trust the providence <laughs> of God with that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. With summer coming up, I'm already dreading not only the traffic on the roads, but also the increased cost of groceries and the fact that my children eat all day long. You know, we all have stressors. Some are big and some are small, like an increased grocery bill. But therapy is a safe place to actually get these stressors off your chest and to figure out how you can actually work through them. There are many benefits to therapy for people from all walks of life. It's helpful to learn positive coping skills so you don't freak out about that grocery bill and how to set boundaries. Therapy can empower you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's convenient, flexible, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Moore today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Russell Moore. So, you know, as we think about marriage and call, um, there's also a question here about sex from one of the listeners here and, and saying, um, you know, this listener didn't feel like he was really prepared well and to educated and knowing how to think biblically about sex, um, how, how we might develop a better understanding of the nature of sex, as well as kind of some of the debates and sexual ethics like family planning and contraceptives. So he's just asking, basically, given that he didn't 
hear a lot or wasn't educated a lot from his parents concerning the issues of sex, where do we begin to engage that in scripture? And then how do we begin to engage questions of sexual ethics more broadly? Well, it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like anything else. Um, often people will uh, make their decisions on the basis of slippery slopes. So there's mm-hmm. a slippery slope over there that can lead to something else. And a lot of times people don't realize there's slippery slopes all around mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And so in in this case, you you sort of probably need to start by asking which of those slopes am I on (laughs) Um, or or am I more likely to be on? Because you can have uh, one person who has, uh, who is coming out of a cultural environment that has a very uh, casual uh, view of sex and sexuality or a really uh, 21st century American culturally Mm -hmm. conditioned Mm -hmm. understanding of uh, sexuality. And in that case, you really need to lean into learning what the Bible teaches mm-hmm. about uh, uh, li- the limits and boundaries right. of, of sex and sexuality. But you might also have grown up in a situation where what you heard about sex was just don't do this, right. uh, don't do these immoral things. And you may have come away with from that with a sense that sex is bad or uh, or, or dirty or the, the, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And there mm-hmm. might be that kind of, um, that kind of awkwardness. And one of the things that, one of the things that I find is that that second category uh, often leads to a lot of uh, pornography addiction mm. or, or those sorts of things, because people, uh, husband and wife start to get awkward uh, with one another, or maybe they start out awkward with one another, which mm-hmm. is fine. That's okay. That's the way it. That's the way it works. Don't mm-hmm. worry about that. But sometimes people they panic about that, mm-hmm. and they start trying to find some other uh, outlet that isn't in God's design, and that ends up making the pro. Not, not only is it immoral, but it makes the problem uh, so much worse. Yeah. Uh, so see if that's sort of the, the place you're in, or if you're in a place, there there are some people who have tried to overcorrect for both of those things. And what they do is to come in with uh, treating Song of Solomon as a sex manual, uh, for instance. I mean, I think of a, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that Mark Driscoll was doing uh, back in the day, uh, with it with a sense of, you know, and you can have that on a lower level. Uh, people, it it just drives me crazy when people get up and say, "Oh, here's my smoking hot wife," or right. my smoking hot. I mean, that's just yeah. Uh, no. And so yeah. I, no, I, okay. I, it, it might be that that's where mm-hmm. you, you have you have heard all of this, and and a lot of that leads to disappointment, right? Because you start to have this understanding that wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If if our sex lives aren't uh, amazing and uh, and sort of right. uh, uh, song of solomon starts uh, <laughs> starts uh, imprinting on my mind you know then you end up with a with mm-hmm. a situation where people start to feel as though uh, 
they're being cheated of the most right. important thing in, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. life, in their view. Right. And that can lead to a lot of conflict or that can lead to uh, adultery. I've seen yeah. that happen a, a lot. So just ask yourself where, where mm-hmm. you are on that spectrum and then uh, step back and understand how the Bible is talking about uh, sex and sexuality. So what you have in, in sex, what sex is intended to be, is a one flesh covenant union. That's the reason why uh, a lot of people will say, I just don't understand how with premarital sex uh, and then suddenly a, a, a switch flips and now it's okay and it right. wasn't before. Well, it's not a switch flipping. It's a, it's a question of covenant and that question of, of one flesh union. That's that's why, because what, what God is designing in uh, Genesis 2, therefore a man shall leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Um, then you go into the New Testament and the Apostle Paul explains why that is uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, because that one flesh union uh, is representing a mystery, yeah. and that mystery is of, of Christ and his church. So it's it's covenantal giving of uh, of one to the other, and it's an icon. Yeah. Uh, this is this is an icon, and so when that's tampered with uh, in in various ways, you distort the icon, you distort the mystery, yeah. and uh, you you end up in a place where you think that what you're doing is filling some sort of longing and need by yeah. going uh, outside of those one flesh union mm-hmm. boundaries and you end up hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say just, just spend some some time reflecting on, on what that is. Mm-hmm. And for some people, what you need to, uh, <clears throat> what you need to really be looking at is, okay, we really need to um, work on in our marriage, uh, having a healthy and regular uh, sex life, and sometimes the reasons that those don't happen is because you've you've got maybe small children. You're, you're maybe you're both working uh, really stressful jobs, and you just don't have time. Step back and say, okay, we need to we need to work. This is not incidental. This is important. We need to work on mm-hmm. that. And for some people, it it ought to be. I've got two high of a priority on this because sometimes when people they first get married and it's you know you're in this hormonal sort of surge where it's uh, I just want to we just want to be together all the time yeah. and to stare into each other's eyes <laughs> and my heart flutters when the 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 other person comes into the room all of that then when that starts to um to change you think, oh, it's it's growing cold. I'm losing it. We're falling out of love. When really you're just maturing into the next yeah. stage yeah. where it's not the hormonal kind of, but it's a really deep uh, connection. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get that, then what's going to happen is people start to say, well, we're not in love with each other anymore. Right. The, so let me find the person who does give me right. that sense of hormonal kind of rush. Yeah. And a lot of that is usually just 
the the drama of it that kind of puts yeah. you back in a place where you um where you once were. Yeah. A lot of the when I'm dealing with marriages that have been split apart by adultery, it it the the spouse who's cheated on always thinks that's because they weren't attractive enough. Mm-hmm. That is in my experience that has never been the case. Yeah. It's it's the sort of feeling that somebody gets with the mm-hmm. I like you, do you like me? Uh, that kind of a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's really, really dangerous. Yeah. And so see whether or not that's your expectation. And if it is, bring that uh, uh, under control and awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you, you make such a great point about, you know, that sex is actually, when you're talking about it as an icon, you know, that that then is saying that all of my relationships and particularly the marriage relationship is actually subservient to my relationship with Jesus. And, yeah. the you know, a more modern kind of American view, right, would be that actually sex is a need. And so it's primarily individualistic. So I think that's just a really helpful way to begin to to unpack how some of our damaging ideas about sex and marriage and relationships really are stemming from either this sense that I get to control my life or if if Christ is king. So thank you for helping frame that. Yeah, or the understanding of um, this is uh, nothing, mm. therefore, mm-hmm. what difference does it make? Or this is everything. Right. And and therefore it has to. So I think it's it's not just... Uh, you have to you have to balance Ephesians five is lifting this up and, and showing you how cosmically significant it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark twelve, when Jesus is being confronted by the religious leaders, and they give him this example of a woman who mm-hmm. has been married, her husband dies, she marries again, husband dies, marries again, husband dies, His seven husbands. Which 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 husband will she be the mm-hmm. wife of? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the they're trying to trap Jesus into what would appear to be a ridiculous situation. And what does Jesus say? He says, in the kingdom of God, there, there's not marrying and giving in marriage, uh, but but we are like the, the angels in heaven. So marriage and sex, these are very important things. These are not ultimate things. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep that yeah. in yeah. balance all the yes. time. Well, for our last question, we it's a yet another kind of relational question about um, a mom writing in about her thoughtful, intelligent, sensitive ninth grader, and he's mm. going to public school for the first time, and you know they see things in one way politically. Um, they're kind of against a lot of this sort of Christian nationalism, but a lot of that still is kind of lurking in their community, and so. Mm-hmm. And so she's asking the question on behalf of her son. He's in this new environment. He's sensitive. He's thoughtful. And he's trying to make friends too, right? So he's mm-hmm. he's a teenager trying to sort that out. And so she asks, you know, his friends are seeing things differently than him politically. Um, and and a lot of them aren't Christians. And so she, she would ask you, what kind of resources or words of encouragement might you have towards those younger folks about how to work through and verbalize their thoughts in generous ways uh, to their to their friends um, and to begin to maybe challenge some of those beliefs, but not in ways 
that would really, you know, elicit violence or hatred or some of the stuff maybe that we see on social media where we're just slandering one another. What does that look like in those years? So is he encountering this Christian nationalism and, and that sort of thing in the public school? It sounds like that's part of the community, that that there is a sense of how could you not vote for Trump or, you know, oh, that, mm-hmm. you know, at least that this was sort of in the soil. Yeah, I think a lot of that's going to be contextual right. in terms of that, uh, that particular uh, family. Uh, I know in in our case, um, just because we've been so public about yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what we think about some of these things, it it almost um, it almost prevents some of those relational kinds of uh, divisions because people who would disagree with us on this stuff know where we are. Yeah. And they're not, I mean, a, a lot of the people in our kind of community are, they're, they're not, they're not immature, cruel sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they do what, what any of us would do and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to talk about other things. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when you come to, but one of the things though, that you really do want to model and to teach your your children is not to just merge into the hive mm, um, mm-hmm. because that's going to be important for them uh, later on, not in terms of politics necessarily, mm-hmm. but in terms of just all the decisions that they're making in their lives. So if you've got this sensitive uh, ninth grader, what you probably don't. If I've got the right sort of read and mm-hmm. vibe on, on this kid in my mind, what you don't want to do is to prepare him with uh, with talking points to yeah. be able to argue mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. uh, people on specific issues. And a, a lot of times that's what, that's what parents think they need to do. Yeah. My ninth grader needs to be able to uh, demonstrate that Christian nationalism is a heresy to the kids, right. and it is. Uh, to somebody over here or and needs to be able to argue against um, an abortion rights uh, supporter mm-hmm. who says that um, that an unborn child is just a just tissue. You, I, they need to be able to, to make those arguments. I I don't think that in most cases yeah. is what you want to do. What you want to do instead is to is to enable him to come in and to find friends and there will be people in any community who are their their lives aren't driven by uh, politics or, or or culture wars to find those people and then to help him to evaluate on his own why it is that people hold to the the various different mm. viewpoints mm-hmm. that they they hold and and how to differentiate between okay here are things that are going to take you into a a really bad direction. So I, I'm going to make sure that I'm giving you the direction where you don't get radicalized by the crazy right or the crazy left. Mm-hmm. But it's it's to to give a sense of empathy. What is it? What is it in people that causes a longing for mm-hmm. which 
Christian nationalism is the answer or for which democratic socialism mm-hmm. uh, is the answer or, or whatever it is in your context. Help them to see that and, and walk them through it, mm-hmm. but don't, don't equip them to be able to culture war better. No. I, I don't think that's the answer. That's a good line. I like it. What I loved most of all about Israel and why I became a Zionist was because Zionism was a rejection of victimhood. A few weeks ago on CT's The Bulletin, we launched Promised Land, a new podcast about Israel and Palestine in a post-October 7th world. 6.30 a.m. we're, we're in, in, in our synagogue praying and sirens go off and they're, and they're going on. Based on interviews and conversations captured on the ground in Israel last November, it's an exploration of the spiritual, political, and historical roots of the conflict. When there's a weak Israel, every Jew in the world is weak. And why should uh, a Russian Jew who has nothing to do with this land come, come here? Why? Well, I mean, if you want, you can give them Texas. You love them so much. I am alive because I wasn't, I, I didn't come home. But hey, all my friends that were here were murdered. Here, here, over there. This week, Promised Land moves to its own feed. You'll find links in the show notes. So if you haven't heard it yet, you can go catch up and catch the new episodes as they come all in one place. Oh, so as we conclude, would love to know what has been one of your most fun things about raising teenagers and young adult children. I I love raising uh, teenagers. Yeah. I mean, it's and and I think um, people would give us all of these. Oh, just wait till yeah. they're teenagers. But I I realized that looking back. There are always those people doing that with everything. I mean, there, there were people. Oh, just wait, just wait till you're married, and then you and you get married. It's oh, just wait till that first year. Mm-hmm. Get through the first year, and we're like, this is this is good. Uh, oh yeah, but that's just because you're newlyweds. Just right. wait until you've been married for ten years. Just wait till you have kids. Just wait till they're yeah, they're terrible too. It's just you know, you you eventually realize there are people who just want to make sure everybody's as miserable as I am right now. <laughs> right. Uh, and so a lot of people would do that with the teenage years, and uh, I I have loved it because you you end up with a sense of I'm. I'm really seeing who you mm. are uh, or, or who you are going to be in mm-hmm. a new way. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's great. Um, the, the difficult parts uh, about it are, first of all, I, I told my wife the other day that this was the most surprising thing for me about uh, raising children is that I miss them. And what, mm-hmm. what I mean by that is to, I, I'll go back and I'll look at pictures and yeah. I, I will say, I just, <laughs> I wish that I could have a reunion mm-hmm. with Jonah as a one-year-old Aww. and a 10-year-old and now, uh, and to have, you, you, you realize how quickly yeah. this, this uh, moves by. That's mm-hmm. difficult. And the middle school years are difficult for everybody. Yeah. And we kind of learned, you know, we have five sons. So you eventually, 
you kind of just learn by experience what's worthy of panic and what's not. Mm-hmm. And we're we're just sort of, okay, this is just what middle school is like. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I've had to say, I, I say to my kids now when they start hitting that age is to say, look, there are some people who are kind of living in the past, nostalgic about high school or mm-hmm. college. There's nobody nostalgic <laughs> for middle school. <laughs> That's it's good. hard for yeah. everybody, but it's not permanent. Right. You, you really are going to get get through this. Yeah. Um, that's 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 important. And I would also say though, one of the challenges of the teenage years is that it's easy it's easy to lose connection mm-hmm. because uh, y- y- there was a time when you were really busy and the kids were always there. And then suddenly that shifts mm-hmm. where the, the kids are really busy. Maybe they're working a part-time job and mm-hmm. going to school and uh, dating or w- whatever mm-hmm. else. It can be really easy just to kind of lose touch yeah. uh, with one another. Find those ways mm-hmm. to keep connection. And one of the ways I've found that really that really works is driving together mm. um, on kind of uh, uh, car trips one-on-one mm. because you can have conversations that might be awkward if you yeah. just sat down and said, we're going to, or if not awkward, they can just seem like there's a lot at stake. Right, too intense. That doesn't yeah. when you're sort of sitting side by side talking mm-hmm. when you're driving mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. That's just worked for us. Oh, that's a great one. And I've heard too that often men, they relate better like shoulder to shoulder and women face to face. And so I wonder too with your sons if part of that shoulder to shoulder is is a thing. Some, to some degree, but I'm, and one of the things that we learned, and I don't know because I don't have any daughters uh, and I have five sons, but mm-hmm. I can tell you, I've noticed how different each of the right. five are yes. from each other. Yep. And so there, there are ways in which there are some ways that I can relate to Samuel, uh, who's really, uh, he, he's really sort of... Um, Hard driven, uh, very, very firm moral compass, really hard uh, on himself in mm-hmm. terms of mm-hmm. making sure that he's doing the right thing and achieving and so forth. And then I have Jonah, who is cool and chill. And um, he's, I used to say when he was a, a kid, he's easy to please, hard to impress, mm-hmm. which means that there can sometimes be things that he's needing that he's not going to say mm-hmm. because he's he's really uh, he's really agreeable and what, and you have to really dig for that. Yeah. So they're just they're really different a lot they of times, yeah. even though they're from the same family right. and the same environment. Yes. And you just have to kind of figure that out over time. Yes, I agree. My three sons are all very different as well. So thank you. And what you. are their ages? My oldest is in ninth grade. He's fifteen, Ezra, and then Porter. We have an eighth grader. And then Camden is 10. And then I have a girl to round us out in, in third grade, Harriet. So, yeah, okay. it's pretty fun. It's crazy at the Hales yeah. house. But thanks for encouraging <laughs> us. 
Well, I want to encourage our listeners to send to your questions uh, to us about uh, anything that you're grappling with or, or wondering about at questions at russellmore.com. Won't use your name unless you tell us to. Um, but whatever it is that you're grappling with, whether it's big or small. And be sure to tap the cover art for uh, other resources that might be of help to you. Uh, subscribe, leave a review. Helps folks to find us and send it to somebody that you think might uh, benefit. Maybe a parent of some teenagers or a newlywed or uh, somebody who's uh, trying to grapple with decisions about life since we talked about so many of those things in this episode. And we will be back next week for more questions and conversations. This is Christianity Today's Russell Moore Show. This is Russell Moore. The Russell Moore Show is a production of Christianity Today. Executive producers are Eric Petrick, Russell Moore, and Mike Cosper. Hosted by Russell Moore. Produced by Ashley Hales. Associate producers Abby Perry and Azurae Phelps. CT administration provided by Christine Kolb. Social media by Kate Lucky. Director of operations for CT Media is Matt Stevens. Production assistance provided by Core Media. Audio engineer is Kevin Duthu. Coordinator is Beth Grabencourt. Video producer is John Rowland. The theme song for the Russell Moore Show is Dusty Delta Day by Lennon Hutton. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive transforming his world, and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.